and Me, where we interview industry thought leaders in governance, risk, and compliance on hot topics, industry-specific challenges, trends, and more to learn about your methods, solutions, and outlook in this space. Hello, this is Megan Fee with GRC and Me. Today, I sit down with Adam Gladson, a strategic advisor at Security Scorecard. We talk about the topic of third-party risk and the cyber threat landscape. We also talk about how to mature a third-party risk program and an interesting article that Adam was reading about a new threat to consider. And now here's our conversation with Adam. All right. Hi, Adam. Thanks for joining us today on another episode of GRC and Me. Oh, pleasure to be here. Thanks, Megan. Let's kick things off, and we would love to learn a little bit more about your background in governance, risk, and compliance, and tell us about your current role at Security Scorecard. My background in government risk and compliance, I started in cybersecurity about 10 years ago while I was working at Comcast at the time, and I helped launch their digital home platform, and I got involved in IoT and security and really the entire application security process. So that's where I got involved with cyber, and then everything kind of moved towards product development. I eventually headed up product at a company called Nominet, where we launched a cybersecurity uh, analytics tool based out of the United States. And after doing that for a few years, I formed my own company. Broad Street Labs, where I was the founder and chief executive officer. Uh, We were both a risk advisory and cyber insurance company. So holistically doing cyber risk management for small, mid-sized enterprises. That brings me current to my job right now, where uh, I'm a third-party risk advisor heading up the risk advisory practice at Security Scorecard. Okay. So you've got a vast experience. So I'm looking forward to pulling out of that experiences for today's conversation. But In the current landscape, can you tell us a little bit about when we think about the current cyber threat landscape that we're all facing and working in today, tell us about the connection to third-party risk. And I know that we've talked about the concept of cyber risk across the enterprise and how it affects all risk categories, not just third-party, but unpack it for us. What are you hearing? What what do you um, see in that space? So traditionally, third-party risk was seen as more of a security function, right? So it was more aligned with the IT teams, while the risk and compliance teams were more handling general vendor due diligence and vendor relationship management. So they were really siloed functions. And you're seeing more of a convergence and the challenges that come with that convergence to try and spread cyber risk across the enterprise. Because when you look at the cyber risk landscape and you look at the evolution, obviously, companies can't keep up with it. And so all you can do is really get into a preparatory and reactionary mode. And so much of that comes from the development of people, process, and technology. So technology has caught up in the sense that there are an abundance of tools that give you a potential single pane of glass. So you have visibility into what's happening in that landscape, but still the ability to assess the risk and to be able to spread that assessment across the enterprise is a challenge, mainly due to people and process. It's not as much about the tech. Right. So you either don't have the amount of bodies, you don't have the subject matter expertise or the processes remain siloed. So they sit with the risk and compliance or they sit with the IT security teams. They all need to converge and come together. Right. So cyber risk should be a function across the enterprise where you had kind of enterprise risk management that sits as a top layer and vendor risk used to sit under it. Well, now third party risk kind of encompasses all of vendor relationship and vendor risk management 
and now sits really right underneath enterprise risk and, and cyber risk kind of slices across all the risk categories. So now, whether it's financial, operational, transactional, brand reputation, you know, legal, regulatory, all of these now have a cyber risk component to them because they're all impacted by cyber events and any breaches that would occur. And I've heard you talk about that, you know, just in your conversations with the market, that folks are looking to mature their third-party risk program. What does that maturity evolution look like in today's environment? It's got to be fluid. It's got to be constantly evolving. It needs to be auditable. So, you know, the idea of static one-time assessments or, you know, relating it to business continuity or disaster preparedness, the type of plants that sit up on a shelf and then a couple of times a year, you take them off the shelf and you kind of dust them off. This is something because of the fluidity of cyber risk, it's something that needs to be constantly moving, right? So it's the ability of getting alignment and collaboration between the people and processes, breaking down those silos so that IT and the security teams are involved in the vendor due diligence and the vendor due diligence teams are setting up the processes and structure for the IT teams to be able to relay the assessments and the continuous monitoring that needs to happen for a really fluid third-party risk management program. So world-class sees a lot of movement. It sees close collaboration and alignment between the organizations and the stakeholders. It seems mature reporting where you're both educating and receiving feedback from the boards and the executive sponsors within your companies. So they understand what metrics they should be looking at and how to read those metrics. So it's really that, that translation between the technical components of security risk, right? And the business impact associated with those risks and being able to translate those effectively. Well, thank you, Adam. That's really interesting. And another thing that our listeners always just want to hear from our guests is any interesting topics or trends that you're hearing or reading about. And I know we talked the other day that you read an article about this concept of killware. So can you share with us what it is and why it's something we should be looking out for? Yeah, that report came out from the USA Today. Very interesting. It's really, it's nothing new. The idea of the digital physical world with this cyber physical threat coming out. When you see the threats against critical infrastructure, that always comes to mind of what could be the human impact of that. And very often now there's such a normalization of these cyber attacks because you read about them so often and people don't fully grasp the impact that doesn't affect their daily lives. So until they're impacted, well, now with this idea of killware, which is a very scary sounding, you know, more marketing puts than anything, but you know, when you look back in July and there was the Oldsmore, Florida water treatment facility that the FBI, I think it was the CISA actually reported, I think in coordination with the FBI and NSA that they had thwarted a cyber attack. This was not about money. This was around, you know, mass human capital. So going after the physical and causing human harm. And so this idea of killware where you can use cyber threats and cyber attacks to cause human harm. Now it's starting to get a little scarier because of the sophistication of these sort of attacks. And we saw kind of the evolution of, you know, data breaches where it was about disruption to their business and maybe brand reputation. And then the financial component took over with ransomware. And now the concern is that the next evolution of this could be more in the physical and the human element, right? Which is a little bit scary. So, so yeah, it's something to, something to really be concerned about. It is. So how should we be prepared? What are, what's some advice that you would share? Well, in general, there's the, from a personal standpoint, there's your, your own sign of vigilance that you need to have. It's beyond just, you know, 
identity theft and, and watching out for things like that. But really kind of staying up on the news and what's happening around you, not to be an alarmist, you don't have to go out and buy bottles of water and everything else, but it is a real concern of things you have to think about. But from a business standpoint, you know, I alluded to it earlier and I mentioned about people processing technology. This is where you really need tight alignment and coordination and communication, right? This is something that could transcend business and affect your employees in general. So it's different levels of conversation that need to be had there. But from a business standpoint, the level of you know vigilance that you could show from a business standpoint is really that alignment. So use the tech that we have, you know, and this is where scorecard comes into play very nicely with a logic gate where you can focus on the process and you start to bring those together. So now you have scale and automation and the technology all coming together. Those are the sort of solutions that you really need. Yeah, I think you're right on. Lean into that. Lean into technology to get the insights, the perspectives that you need, visibilities that you lack, and then have a good rooted process in that to understand how to action on it when you need to and to be vigilant. So thank you for that. And I know we do. We have alignment in the market there of how we help our customers kind of be prepared for the unpreparable, right? And be prepared for the changing evolution of the cyber risk landscape. So as we have mutual alignment in that space, you and I both have mutual alignment in our musical choices. I know we talked offline about some of our favorite bands, and I think I can kind of see in the background there a music concert poster. So tell us a little bit about it. And yeah. Yes. I Sometimes when I have a standing workstation, you can see the posters a little bit better, but that's a, a Pearl Jam poster. Um, I collect concert posters. I started going to concerts when I was about 10 years old. So it's always been a huge part of my life. And my wife was kind enough to frame many of these and actually now keep in my office. So it's a good conversation piece. But yeah, that one in particular, um, it's, it's a set of four that I have in the office here. And Pearl Jam closed out the spectrum. It was the last event there in 2009 before they tore that building down. And it was a amazingly historic building for both sports as well as concerts. And I'd been going to for forever. So it was a great show. It was a week before my wife and I got married. The Phillies were in the World Series playing the Yankees. So everything just aligned with that. So it's really cool to be able to have uh, that's that poster that was done by um, Tom Tomorrow, who's actually a cartoonist, pen name for Dan Perkins. So uh, it's a great thing. I know we all seek to get back to that, like feel that energy, What whatever city you're in, we're all kind of excited for that energy to get back. So hopefully in the future we'll be there. But thank you, Adam, for spending time with us today. Yes, my pleasure. Thanks for having me, Megan. So as Adam and I discussed today, if you seek to learn more about how to leverage technology and process to bolster your third-party risk program, visit us at logicgate.com to learn more. And until next time, this is Megan Fee with GRC and Me.